Welcome back to Studio Wesley Annex, the audiovisual podcast where we discuss the lectionary text of the week. I am your host, Sam Siles Williams, and I'm here with some lovely people today. I'm going to talk about the lectionary text, starting with Elliot. How's it going? It's going good. I'm excited. Solid. A solid start to this podcast. I feel like this is the energy we're bringing today. It's going to be a chiller one. Sydney, how's it going? How's the week been? It's good. It's good. Um, I didn't really sleep last night. So if I'm like a little delusional, that's what's happening. So just affirm me, even if I'm doing bad. We'll lift you up, even in your tiredness. (laughs) We have a a low energy podcast today. I feel like we got to bring it up at some point. Vendela, how's it going? You a little bit more awake than everybody else here? Um, sadly not. But you know what? But you know what? I'm going to bring the energy anyway. Um, just for you, Sam. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. We're, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a tired one, but we're gonna pull yeah, through. We got an hour long recording. Yes. You want to open us up with some energy today, Vendela? I will. I will open us up with a very energizing prayer. Um, hey God, thank you so much for letting us all be here on Zoom, even though most of us are tired and have busy schedules. Um, just making the time to be here is. A really big deal for me at least I feel like and I'm really excited that I was able to and I'm excited to talk about the lectionary text today and let's all just come into this open-minded and excited to chat about it so yeah amen of all the opening prayers I've ever heard that's the most energized one I feel like we're all a little bit more yeah I'm yeah, glad, I'm I'm glad. feeling it, feeling it 100%. Uh, this, I don't know if I'm supposed to intro this, but this is the Ash Wednesday episode. Um, Ash Wednesday, we were just all talking about, it's going to be on Valentine's Day next week, which is a little bit of a weird dichotomy of the uh, day to celebrate love and the day to celebrate the fact that everything on this earth won't be here for that long um, and the beauty in that. So without further ado, Sydney, do you want to start us off today with the New Testament text? Yeah, let's do it. Hit us with it. Um... Yes, New Testament text. This week is 2 Corinthians um, 5, 20 through 6, 10. Um, if you see me having things in my hand, I'm literally playing with Play-Doh right now because I'm a child. Um, so I'm reading this scripture. I'm thinking about Ash Wednesday um, and how the two connect, I guess, trying to do my due diligence. And I guess the first thing I really noticed about the scripture is it actually kind of felt very opposite to like the um, things that we were reflecting on and being reminded of with Ash Wednesday um, with, you know, the blessing being remember your dust into dust, you shall return. And this scripture very much has a very overarching message of like, um, what you do matters um, and your actions matter and we are ambassadors of Christ and we, every aspect, you know, like verse um, 520 says, you know, as though God were making his appeal through us, like we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Um, In verse six, three, like we put no stumbling block in anyone's way, like kind of this like big statements of how important the way we conduct ourselves as servants of God is. And so as I was kind of reading the scripture, I was like, those feel opposite, 
not that they are opposite, but it just kind of feels like when I'm reflecting on my death, I'm not necessarily thinking about, um, I guess, I guess one kind of way I reflect on Ash Wednesday is the idea that like my life is temporary and that's like a part of the beauty of life is that like my life is, it's so small in the grand scheme of things. Um, and that's a very comforting thought to me, but, um, I think often when things seem to be opposite, they usually are, um, kind of like create a whole narrative, I guess. Um, and so when I started to get into verses six, four through the end, um, it, it does this interesting thing where Paul starts to kind of make these comparisons about, you know, as servants of God, we command ourselves in every, in every way, um, in great endurance, in troubles and hardships, um, you know, in purity, understanding, and then, you know, in glory and dishonor, um, and kind of like in the good and the bad, you know, um, when we're poor, yet making many rich, and it ends with having nothing and yet possessing everything. And um, I guess my biggest takeaway from this scripture is the way that Ash Wednesday can also be a a time to reflect on the impact of our lives and how though our lives are short, um, the way to which we live on um, is actually through the effect that we have on the collective and on our society and on our community. Um, that's actually what continues on after we go. And so, you know, how are we making the short time we have in this life meaningful in not just the good times and not just the bad times, but in the whole, because like, the whole is what makes up the human experience. Um, and so, you know, what would that prompt us to do if we asked ourselves that question? Like, how can I in every way be an ambassador? How can I in every way, you know, um, be a servant and be, um, yeah, I don't know. So I, that's just what I'm reflecting on. I, I guess I don't have like a, this is what that means for us. But I kind of feel like it's a really powerful thing to think about and could lead to a, like a really loving and healing posture, I guess, to be in community is to realize that, um, you know, I'm not just living for myself because my life is going to end soon anyways. I'm living for what exists after me and what exists after that and what exists after that. Um, so that is my thought. What did you guys think? I um I have to take notes or else I like don't really retain anything <laughs> but one of the things that I like just wrote out while you were talking is like uh you said small things create like whole narratives and I just I really like that because sometimes first of all you saying that like 
life is temporary and we're really small in the grand scheme of things. I've heard people like get like upset about that and be like, that makes me feel so insignificant. But like, no, like I love thinking that way. Like you better believe I love to think that my problems that I'm stressing about are not that huge. That is like the only way I can get through them sometimes. So I love that. But the fact that like my decisions I make like every day in the grand scheme of things are creating this whole narrative. Like I really like that analogy or not analogy, but like way of looking at it. It's just very like beautiful. And then with Ash Wednesday coming up, it's such like honestly a humbling holiday, like holiday. I don't know if that's what you want to call it, but it's like basically saying like you came from this and you're going to go back to it. So like, what are you going to do? And there's definitely some people that think of it, like you said, like, you know, well, then it's all for nothing. But I think that viewing it as, like, your impact and your legacy is, like, what you're leaving behind and you can live on through that. And you having this, like, relatively finite amount of time makes everything so much more intentional. And striving to live that way is extremely difficult. Um, But, like, I think that that is the kind of purpose that I like to think of when I think of, like, Christianity. Um, I'm. It's less appealing for me to think of, like, a promised heaven because I'm such a practical person and I'm like I don't know what that's exactly going to look like and whatever but that opportunity to live on through a legacy is something that I really like and like that legacy being something people can admire and learn from and take with them after I'm gone is something that I really like to think about um when I think about my impact on the world so I like that a lot um it was very applicable for me um for me the thing, when I read these verses, the main topic that came to mind is like living a purposeful like life as a Christian, like being purposeful in that way. And like, I like to think of like, you know, these big world leaders who like make change or like, you know what I mean? Like have an impact, I guess you could say, like more powerful people have a bigger impact, but I also like through my life, especially like to think about, about it, like, um, how Sydney was saying it before, like, um small small impacts are big impacts like if you impact one person you're impacting like many different people through that person and especially me being someone who's like is very good like one-on-one with a person rather than in front of a lot of different people especially when like i'm talking in like the setting of you know christianity and things of that nature and god and all of that that's so much easier to do. And it's not even that the fact that it's easier, it's that you can, it can be implemented on such a higher level when you're communicating with one person rather than a lot of different people. Not that that's a bad thing. That's great. And there's a place for that. But I also think in our lives specifically, we have a kind of, um, I don't know what the right word is, a, uh, a mission. I don't know. We have like a, a purpose to impact people. And I think that in, all aspects of our lives there will be opportunities where we will meet people and have a choice to either uh not i'm not talking about like tell them about jesus right i'm just talking about making an impact a positive impact in their lives which is always the first step so i feel like especially there's been times in my life where i maybe haven't done that to a specific person but then there also have been times where i have and i feel like looking back and noticing those things now um just popped up when i was reading for these verses um, so yeah, those are my thoughts. I'm going to echo a lot of the sentiments everyone else has said. And like first uplift that I really appreciate your interpretation of this text. Cause like bringing it to the personal for a second, I kind of like Vanilla was talking about, 
I used to be one of the people who hated Ash Wednesday because I have always, since I was way too young, had so much anxiety about like the nihilistic view of the world of like, there's not enough time. So none of this matters. Um, and that's been something I really struggled with and it would feel like encapsulated in Ash Wednesday. Um, and it was not until a couple of years ago when I was in middle school where I finally heard somebody talk about it from the perspective that you talked about, Sydney, of like it, the beauty in your impact and the beauty in the fact that your time is short, but what you can do for others is is like large. Um, and that's something that really changed the way that I see the life and Christianity and specifically Ash Wednesday, because what you're talking about, that that beautiful narrative that's created from small moments is really, really important to keep in mind, especially for a lot of people who struggle with the fear that comes with the fact that we have short time. Because I think it's there's there should be space to uplift the fact that, yeah, it is kind of scary for some that like we have a set amount of time that we can't determine and that we don't know. Um, but your it your way of interpreting that is exactly the way to get through that thought is that it's about the impact you make and you can live on through the people that you care about and that have learned from you. Um, so I really, really appreciated what we talked about with this because it spoke a lot to how I view Ash Wednesday. Um, Vendilla, you're up next. You want to take it away with Old Testament? Yes, I do. So my um, verse was basically, it's kind of about that like nihilistic kind of um, view on the it's a call to repentance and it's talking about like what it would look like if you didn't repent kind of and it's interesting because I feel like there's definitely two ways to look at this there's that way to look at it that's more nihilistic which honestly like I find myself looking at the bible a lot um in that way uh but then there's also sort of this like opportunity to impact other people and to like I, I mean, honestly, very applicable. No wonder we did these all in the same uh, episode. Is somebody, did somebody do that on purpose? Because, but yeah, no, this one is talking about like an opportunity. And it's like, you can either have this opportunity to impact people or you can kind of look at it in this like way of like, well, in the end, this is going to happen anyway. But it's interesting because in 13, uh, verse 13, it says, don't tear your clothing in grief, but tear your hearts instead. So basically after saying like, listen, while there's time, you should turn to me, but also don't take that as like a, like, just be upset about it. And like, there's limited time and like, there's nothing we can do about it anyway. It's not going to change. Instead, view it in the context of like this opportunity, this glass half full kind of way, which is really difficult to do. But like, I can see where they're going with that. Whoever wrote this, I can't remember, Joel, Joel wrote it. But yeah, so I like that. I think that the other part of it that was interesting to me is in verse 14, it says, who knows, perhaps he will give you a reprieve. And I think that that's interesting because he's saying like, who knows, like maybe he'll give you a break, but like nothing is certain. You're not believing in God because you're guaranteed X, Y, Z. You're believing in it because there's this possibility of it, but also because you're getting in return this like relationship and it's not transactional. Like any relationship you're in, it's not like I do this, you give me that. Any relationship like that in real life is not going to work out well, whether that be like a partner or a friend or a family member. Um, it's more like I'm doing this because like it makes me feel good to like put effort into this relationship because this relationship makes me feel good. 
Um, and that's sort of kind of the point, I guess, of a relationship. And so I think that saying like, who knows, maybe he'll like do all these great things for you like right now, but like nothing is like promised in your lifetime. It's just what you get out of it is sort of what you put in. And I think that that's interesting to me. I'm not sure how I feel about that, but I think it's very like applicable to any kind of relationship I've been in. So I would say, you know, it makes, it makes sense that it would be the same with God too. Um, that was what I kind of took away from like that first part. And then the last part or the last part. And then the first part is just sort of emphasizing like that you don't know what's going to happen. That like these things like that are going to occur like later in life, like death or whatever, Jesus coming back. You don't know when it's going to happen. You don't know what it's going to look like, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't like try to have this impact and this lasting sort of opportunity. But um, I think it's definitely like a glass half full kind of set of verses, which I liked. I think that sometimes the Bible can get a little morbid. So it was cool to read that and be like, oh, like they're definitely catering to the people that are like, whoa, 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 death, you know, like me. So I like that. That's all I have to say about it. Um, I'm just going to bounce off of what you said of you get like your input is kind of like what you get out of life in a way. And like, I really like that because I think the first step to kind of understanding like both sides to that, like glass half full, glass half empty is like, you have to have, um, like you have to understand both sides to it. Like you can't just like live like saying like, Oh, you know, like that whole nihilistic, that pronounce that right. Yeah, I knew that, uh, knew that word, view of like, you know, we're going to die so nothing matters. But also, you know, if you put in, you're going to take some stuff out as well. So I really like that. And then also, um, there's something else you said uh, that I thought about and then I forgot. Um, oh, I should have wrote it down, but I didn't. I don't know. That's all I have. I wanted to point out something specific you talked about because I've never heard it phrased that way. Um, and I think it was really, really powerful and also talks with some stuff I've been reading and talking about recently. You talked about like not having religion and faith because you're going to get X, Y, and Z. And hearing it in that perspective is so interesting because so I'm I'm in a political philosophy class um, where we're reading like old Greek philosophers and talking about how it impacts now. One of the things they talk about is like extrinsic goods versus intrinsic goods, things that are extrinsic. It is good because you get something out of it and intrinsic. It is good because it is good and just as itself. And I love the view of faith that way, that like we shouldn't be faithful people we shouldn't be followers of christ because we expect something at the end out of it we shouldn't do all these things and serve others and promote the word of christ because at the end we're going to get to heaven but more of that intrinsic it is good to be faithful because of what it does and like what it is and so yeah i've just never heard it phrased that way and i really really appreciate that especially as someone who like you said i also have a lot of those questions about like what comes after and stuff and so i my thing is like, don't place any of your bets on that. Do it, like be a good person and be a faithful person because of what it does here and because of what you can build here, not because of what you expect to get later. Um, but I really, really appreciated that. Yes. Um, to add on to what you, you and you said, um, 
Yeah, honestly, I'm having so many thoughts. I I really like what you're talking about, Vendela, about it being like an optimistic glass half full text. One, because that's not how I, I would have interpreted that <laughs> at all. And I appreciate like when people bring stuff that I'm like, that is not how I would have read that. But I also think that I initially didn't read it as a text like that because I think there's like this kind of like urgency in the text of like, repent, like, you know, like, give your heart like, now kind of thing. Um, and I think sometimes I associate urgency with like, um, shame, maybe and kind of like, um, blame and like, you're doing something wrong. So you need to like, repent versus like, um, life is short. Therefore, like, there is kind of this, like, urgency that comes with, like, every second we don't surrender our hearts and we don't surrender to love and we don't, you know, choose these things is, like, a moment that we don't get to reap that. And we don't get to reap the good things that comes from that. And um, to what you were saying, Samuel, just, like, um, the, I, I like, what faith does for us. And I think that I personally, and I, there are a lot of people in the faith community who don't feel this way, but I feel like faith is supposed to be something that is, helps us cope and heal. (laughs) And I think that sometimes throughout history and throughout kind of like the construction of faith, this thing has happened where it's like this monster has been created that like got out of our control where like faith was supposed to be this like beautiful thing that was supposed to help us cope with like our existential dreads of life, you know, and helping us have a reason and purpose. And it, it becomes this thing that's like, um, like that, ah, like blame and shame. And like, I'm doing everything wrong. And I'm in this place of like inaction because like, I can't perfectly predict what's going to happen to me after I die. And I can't perfectly predict what's going to happen. Like if I do this thing, if a good thing's going to happen to me and it's kind of like, I don't think faith was ever meant to be a like causal relationship like that. Like I do this thing, therefore I get this good thing or it, it was meant to be to help us cope with everything that is out of our control because everything is out of our control, you know? And so it's like the, when it became that, when I think we kind of grasped onto this idea of like heaven as being the goal, like we, we are faithful because we want to get to heaven. It became very transactional. And it, I think it sometimes loses its like real um, meaning as like a tool for us in life. So just good things all around. Before we go to break, I'm going to comment on that because I I will talk about that later in my text um, about like how religion as a personal aspect versus as this the societal social thing that it is now that monster that we can't put back in the box. Um, but I just wanted to comment on what you just said because I've gotten into like arguments about that before where I had someone very near and dear to me who I was talking about religion with. Um, we we're talking about why we disagree. And I was like, religion is a tool that we use as humans to cope with the questions we don't have answers to. And they were like, well, no, the point of religion is to convert as many people as you can. And I was like, what? Well, no, I mean, it can be, if that's what you think it is, as long as you're doing it in a healthy way for all parties involved, I mean, guess go for it. But like, no, religion is something so much deeper and more personal than that. Um, but I'll, I'll go back to that on mine, but first we got to take a break. So 
we will see you guys soon when we come back with Elliot and the Psalms. But for now, bye guys. And we're back. Welcome back, everybody. Glad you had your little break. Um, I'll say from our end, this was this was a quiet break. Usually, we're, it's very talkative, but like energy's still low in this episode, which I feel like kind of works for Ash Wednesday and what we're talking about. But we got a couple more texts to go with. Elliot, are you ready? I am. Go for it. All right. So my text was Psalm fifty-one, one through seventeen. So this psalm is pretty much about um david confessing his sins to god and he like holds nothing back like he's putting it all out there like he goes through the whole um i was born a sinner you know uh teach me everything i need to do to change my ways purify me he's really like putting everything on the line or not on the line but putting everything out there like he's really going through it and he's asking for repentance but something that specifically stuck out to me is in verse 12 after he completely you know um washed the stain of my sins away you know confessing his sins like he was in the wrong like in him saying that with the full of his emotion he then goes on to say finally restore me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you and that's that's one my favorite verse in this entire passage because it's different from what he said before after confessing what he had said it's then like um kind of lead me on the right path like continue to i I, basically it's saying i can't do it on my own like i cannot obey you by myself which sounds crazy right like imagine your parents and you tell your parents i can't obey you by myself like, I can't do that by myself. But that's just something that's interesting to me because when we're talking about God, he can help us obey him, which is crazy in a good way. Glass out full, right? So that was my favorite verse in that entire thing. He goes on to say, then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. So it's saying, like, teach me what I cannot myself learn so that I can then go and show everyone out there what I have learned. Um, which is a lot of stories in the New Testament specifically kind of echo that um, as many things in the Old Testament do. Um, And then in last uh, verse 17, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. And that's beautiful as well, because that's basically just saying, no matter how broken you are, no matter how messed up uh, the things you have done in the past may be, you are always open to God and God is always open to you um, for the same kind of repentance, um, putting you on this, on a good path, um, asking to, for God to clean your heart out because the main thing that stuck out to me and I'll say it again is that you, you can't always do it yourself, right? Like God is always going to be your other half while you're going through these things because at the end of the day, we're human and we can't do, we can't do everything on our own. Right. So that's the beauty of this passage to me that even though uh, we repent for the things that we have done, the things that we don't have in our power to do, um, 
the Lord takes care of that and at least puts us on the right path. Uh, I'm interested to hear your guys' thoughts. Um, I love what you brought up with this text and it identifies a lot of the things that I feel about it. And I, I for one, like really find David as an interesting character in the Bible because I feel like it's one of the clearest moments of the central character who can very much be like, I messed up. And how do I come about that? Um, and I think what you talked about in, in like, without naming it kind of way is the interesting structure of this passage. Cause it really is what you said of you, you have to tear everything down. You have to lay all of what you've done on the table and kind of tear everything down to build it back up again. And the idea of, I feel like so often in our culture, when we have those moments, it's the moment of how am I going to rebuild? How am I going to fix this up? But I love exactly what you mentioned about we can't sometimes. And sometimes the best thing that we can do is to l admit that we can't do everything and put it into God's hands and have that be something that lifts us up out of those trying times. Um, and I also love you talked you brought up the metaphor of like parents with it. And as much as that is like a fun metaphor and a silly metaphor with it, I do think it is an important thing to talk about, which is like sometimes as as easy as it is to do with God, this is also something that we have to do with other people and people in our lives and people that we care about. There are sometimes moments where you have to admit, okay, I've messed up and let's start this from scratch. And part of that means I am going to say that I can't do this and I need your help. Um, and so as much as that, that there's a joke in that, yeah, you're, you're kind of right. The idea of like laying it all out there and asking for help is something that's really, really hard, but I think it's an important lesson to talk about. Um, yes, I honestly don't have much to add to what you both shared. I think, um, I don't know. I feel like sometimes in certain spaces, we spend so much time thinking about like repentance as being something that's just acknowledging the bad that we've done and just acknowledging the, um, harm we've caused. But in reality, like that's just we're just going to cause harm sometimes. You know what I mean? Like being a human is like being imperfect. And so like, it's kind of, to me, like more important what you do after that, like after the, like, okay, like we see what we've done wrong. So like, how do I actually get the support I need to like stop this from happening again? Right. Because, um, I think that most often we are doing the best we can in, in times where we let ourselves down or others down. It's because there was something that we needed that we didn't have. It was support we needed. It was some kind of regulation tool we didn't have. It was some kind, you know, whatever you could insert into any scenario. And so it's like that piece, I feel like it's the part where we turn around and we like, okay, like how do we, what do we do next time? You know, um, that is like so important. Yeah, I similarly don't have a ton to add. I wrote down a couple things. I do like what you said, Sid, about like a lack of uh, tools or skills to like help us get through situations in a way that is healthy. And I think that I think that I also tend to only judge people on or try to not only it's not I'm not perfect, but like I try to judge people only on how they you know, approach uh, repenting and what that looks like in modern day world or like how they approach, you know, 
asking for forgiveness or do they ask for forgiveness for messing up? Usually I, I think that, especially for me, because I know I make mistakes all the time, I really try to like think when I make a mistake, okay, like what do I need to do to like make the person that this affected like know that this isn't going to happen again? Or like what do I need to do so this doesn't happen again? I feel like I, that's the people pleaser in me though. And I think that I look for that in a lot of other people and that's kind of it's simultaneously like healthy and unhealthy to be honest but I think that that might just be like one of my tools like I need to like know when it's healthy to like you know go after that and be like okay like what do I need to do to make things better whereas what do I need to do to like make myself feel good again and like approach this in a healthier way and I think that like that it almost like reading this felt a little bit like I don't know people pleasery to me with David and God of course God is like an all-knowing being so like I'd be freaking scared too if I messed up but it was just like interesting it gave me like I mean listen I know that's not the intention but I'm just being honest it gave me that like like sort of like oh my gosh like I feel like I just like messed up and I I hurt somebody and I need to like fix it right away and like whatever and I feel like later on it does get to the point where it's like I need to fix it so that I can continue to help people with your guidance and like so that I can like do all this stuff but like in the beginning I was like wow like this is literally the thoughts that are going through my head the second I like mess up with somebody so it was interesting to read that because like Sam and Elliot were saying there's so much to it like you can't just like read one part of it and be like okay like it was like it starts out like kind of frantic and it's still pretty frantic in the end but it's like more like resolution based like I'm doing this for a greater purpose not just so I can like appease God and not get smited so yeah I liked it I thought I thought I liked it and I also hated it a little bit but you know I feel like that's a lot of stuff but I feel like the stuff that you hate is the stuff that like you relate to the most so that's what I thought about it that was long-winded but yeah first of all people-pleasing interpretation of this text is fascinating and that as somebody who's notorious for people pleasing is really interesting. Um, and yeah, kind of do hate and love that, but hate in a way of I'm being called out directly through this ancient text. So let's move on. So I feel less angry about it. Um, I'm up next. I sometimes forget that I have to speak in this and not just introduce other people. Hey guys, I am very excited for mine and it's going to, I'm prefacing already. It's going to be a little ranty. It's going to be a little all over the place. Because I, this is one of the few texts, when it was assigned to me, I didn't know off the top of my head which one it was. This is one of the few texts that as soon as I started reading it, I was like, I know this text and also bring it up in arguments all the time. Because I have thoughts about this text. So this is Matthew 6, uh, one through verses 1 through 6, and then 16 through 21. And this is a, Jesus is in this big series of saying, the do's and don'ts of being a good Christian and a good follower of Christ. And in this section, uh, it starts, it's called concerning almsgiving. And he's talking, the two things he talks about is praying, almsgiving, and fasting. And he's basically giving an ins and outs of the new year of how to do this. And the big thing he says is that it's not a public experience. And it can be. It can be a communal experience, but not a public experience. And so what that kind of means is he's basically saying 
that you should be doing your religious work and your spirituality. You should be working on that for yourself and for God and for no one else. You shouldn't be praying in public because you want everybody else to know exactly how faithful you are and how devout you are. And you shouldn't, the, the example he gives with fasting is he talks about when you're fasting, people disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. And Jesus says, you, you don't have to do that. You don't have to show how much you're doing this and how good of a Christian you are. You should pick yourself up and not show people and make this a personal experience between you and God. And I love that because I personally think, and this is where some of the hot take controversial opinions come in. I think a lot of us have in the modern religious world have a lot of praying in public in different ways. I think there's kind of a culture built around showing how faithful you are without making it a personal practice. Um, and I think, especially like when you get into like political leadership and into people of status and celebrity, I feel like a lot of people like to use Christianity. How I wrote it here is that people use Christianity not as a religion, but as a campaign tool, as something to build up your status, because look how look how faithful I am. I went to church today. Um, and I think that's really damaging because like we talked about with Sydney and like Vendela brought up with the different types of like doing the checklist to what you're getting in the end. Religion, I believe, is inherently a personal experience. It is something that we use as a tool to answer the questions that we don't have answers to. And we use it as a way to build up a relationship between you and God. And yes, I believe that we are called to help others and we are called to spread the word through example. But that doesn't mean that I'm showing how good I am. And that doesn't mean that I'm showing how strong my relationship is with God all the time. I think that's kind of damaging. I think it's kind of boastful. Um, it's not, it can be a social experience to create community, but it shouldn't be a social experience to uplift you. Um, and I think there's a lot of modern examples of that. My favorite thing to think about is when people are posting about like their religious experience that like, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I do that. Sometimes a lot of people I know do that, but are you doing it to show that you did it? Or are you doing it to uplift the word of God? Cause that's something I personally struggle with where sometimes I'll do like go to church or something and want people to know that I'm like keeping up with that. And I'm kind of doing it for other people doing something in the social gaze, if you will, this is a conversation I had in class. Um, but it's, it's a deeply personal experience and it's something you should be doing for yourself and for your own growth. So that was a little ranty and kind of all over the place, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because um, I got strong thoughts on this. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you ate with that. Like, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, the function, so I studied sociology in undergrad. And my favorite professor was a sociologist, like, of religion. He was, like, uh, um, he studied specifically, like, Mormonism. Because um, he grew up in the Mormon church and had, like, a lot of connections to it. But that's totally irrelevant to what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> I took this class where it was called the Sociology of Religion. And we spent a lot of the class talking about um, the functions of religion and like the psychological and like physical components that make us 
give us the capacity for religion and kind of all these, you know, like sociological, like explorations of what religion is and why we need it. And um, I think that religion, especially here in the West is used as a um, heavily as like a way of like, like social control and like, um, <sighs> reinforcing power structures. Um, and there's a lot of reasons I think why, um, that is, but I think that that's something that if we, and uh, maybe this is a hot take, I don't even know when I'm saying a hot take anymore, but if Christianity is going to prosper, at some point, it's going to have to have a reckoning with that exactly, with the idea that like religion is something that is going to give us kind of like a some kind of power, social status, or it's something that we're leveraging that way. It, it We have to abandon that at some point. You know what I mean? And at some point, we're going to have to deconstruct the ways that the church reinforces these power structures. And I think that that is a, a way that it does is um, by telling you how you should act when you should act and by being something that you flaunt and that it's not something actually genuine and affecting the way we treat people, you know, like, I don't know. Religion could make us so much more radical in the way we care for people and the ways that we sacrifice our actual lives for like the cause and for like, you know, well, redistribution and for like you know housing people and for racial justice and for you know insert anything I believe religion could be such a powerful tool to help radicalize us in the way we live for love and for justice but you know it it for so many reasons is not that often and so I think that the way you interpreted this text is important and it's something that we have to continue like working through if we're going to be people who continue to want Christianity to prosper, I guess. So I don't know. I don't know. Those are my thoughts. I want to comment on that really quick. Cause one, Sid, I just love the fact that you say the most well-worded, eloquent, like hot takes. And then you're like, I don't know. That's just, you know, just a thing that I thought of one time. Like, no, you are entirely correct about this. And I love how you talk about it. But also, I the reason I wanted to comment on it is because the ideas that you're talking about of Christianity and religion radicalizing us, uh, that's what Jesus is. You know, like, uh, gonna, there are some people who would hear that and would be like, what are you, ta what are you talking about? What are these radical ideas? Keep, keep like, these radical politics out of my religion and it's like no that's what jesus was jesus was a radical leader who completely broke tradition and social norms and said that i'm going to advocate for these things that haven't been advocated for before um so i just wanted to say that in case it's ever a conversation that comes up when people are listening to this podcast that if you if you thought that those things that were brought up of housing the poor and wealth distribution um and i would add like like how we treat our environment. If you think that those are inherently political things, then I don't, I think we should have a conversation about how you're really reading Jesus. Yeah, I, I, it's so funny because as you guys were talking about this, I literally wrote down 
religion has become a means for social dominance. <laughs> so I was like, and then you go, and it's become this means for, you know, social like power over other people. And I was like, yes, yes. But yeah, I think that, I mean, a lot of information and a lot of things were said just now, all things that I would love to comment on every single one. Don't have time for that. But I think that Christianity is such, like, a good thing that, like, I don't want to be, like, you know, a downer, but was kind of, like, ruined by, like, these huge, like, capitalist people that wanted to make money and power off of things. And they were like, ooh, let me use this as a vessel in order to, like, get me those things. And I think you're right. I think it could be something that's used to actually do the things that it was meant to do. But I don't know, like, I mean, this is honestly just, like, a genuine question. Like, do we have to, like, like you were saying, like, reckon with it and, like, come out the other side, like, still identifying, like, as Christians? Or, like, does it have to become a new thing? Or, like, what has to happen in order for Christianity to actually live up to its, you know, promises, essentially, in modern-day society? I just think that's interesting to think about because I think that, there are so many Christians that like do want that, but they don't know how to get it because there's these other people that are saying they identify the same way and their goals are completely different. So it's just interesting to think about being a part of a group that is, you know, just so different in their goals and like the ways that they're utilizing Christianity, whether they're using it as a means to show that they're like, to show that they're good as opposed to actually like doing things that set that example instead of shoving that example down people's throats so I think that it's it's interesting to think about um sort of moving on and recollecting and redefining what uh it is as a religion and sort of separating if possible that connection with its utilization for social dominance so that's interesting just a thought but I liked that conversation a lot. I like that I wrote down Jesus was radical. So nice. Thanks, Sam. Um, I just want to add, and Sam, you touched on this a little bit as well, but I feel like there's a difference between uh, following a, a religion and following God, right? Like, I feel like that's the big separation here because a lot of people will be like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. What does that mean? Oh, you know, I'm are there a Christian religion? Like, no, I'm a Christian. I follow God. Like, it's as simple as that, right? I mean, it's not really as simple as that, but that's the main picture. So I feel like a lot of times people will be like, um, like, I don't know, like around here during college, like people have asked, I've heard people ask different people, like, are, are you religious? And they're like, yeah, I go to church. I, you know, I, I'm religious. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's cool. But that's like surface level, right? So I feel like a lot of times we can kind of, also, I feel like what's difficult is we get comfortable in a routine or the complete opposite. We get comfortable out of routine and we kind of don't, what you were talking about, Sam, that personal relationship with God isn't there. And honestly, I don't know, like for me, that's one of the most important things, like having a relationship with God, because if you can have a relationship with God then you can impact other people through that relationship, right? Uh, and if you don't have it or... It's not that you don't have it, but if you're not well-trained, uh, my dad always used to say, how are you supposed to hear God if you never talk to him, right? So, like, 
how, how are you able to um, hear what the Lord is saying to you if you're not practicing in his word, in prayer, in communication? It's relationship, right? So it goes both ways. So um, y'all all had a bunch to say, which is great, but I didn't really have too much to add. I just wanted to say that bit. So, yeah. Okay, I'm I'm a new host, but if I could have one one legacy on this podcast, I think I'm gonna just start calling each other all of you out. Because Elliot, you just did the same thing. We're like said like all of that was so correct and so well worded. And then you're like, yeah, I don't have anything. Like I feel like we need to new season, new resolution. We need to like uplift the fact that we have good answers. Um, because this is a, a fantastic conversation. And I feel like all of this kind of built on this weird, like unintentional kind of call to action of like yeah this is this is what it means to be young and religious is to deal with these questions and to make it personal and to talk about this so for anybody listening if any of this impacted you i like strongly encourage you to think about this and read these texts yourself because like building that personal relationship and letting it fuel you with whatever you're passionate about i think that's the best thing that religion can do for people so with all that being said sydney do you want to close us out in prayer yes i would love to let's pray god um thank you um for each person in this little uh, stream yard recording room um i am grateful for each of them and for what they bring to this space and honored to get to listen to them and learn from them. Um, and I just want to express my gratitude for um, that. And I never want to take anyone's vulnerability for granted. So um, thank you for just being present with us in this conversation, for um, helping illuminate the text. Um, and God, I pray that as we celebrate Ash Wednesday, as we reflect on Ash Wednesday, um, we would let our mortality um, help us step into action and into a life of love and a life of contentment and um, not one of fear, but one that um, sees how much bigger we are than just um, this one little life that we get to live and that we would live it intentionally. Um, and all this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. And with that, I feel like there's really nothing to add with this episode. We kind of hit all of it. So happy Ash Wednesday, folks. Um, I hope you appreciated this episode. I know all of us here did. Um, and with that, we'll see you next time, guys. Bye.